Last fall, I offered a five-page guide on 10 activities to support new teachers during the first two weeks of school. The activities were designed to achieve three goals. First, create a trusting relationship with the teacher. Second, lay the foundations for a well-managed classroom. And third, provide curricular guidance. Today's guest has been doing some remarkable work using a high-quality teacher satisfaction survey to identify keys to teacher retention. What really stands out to me is that he can provide districts with data that is most applicable to them, not to every other district in the state or country. That said, there are some common things that assistant principals and other school leaders can do to help increase teacher retention. So how do these rigorously researched factors compared to my goals for APs of building the relationship, laying foundations for classroom management, and providing curricular guidance? We're about to find out, but I want to offer you a challenge before we get any further. If you hear one or more simple, actionable strategies to increase teacher retention, will you actually implement them? I wonder. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Our guest today is Dr. Luke Simmering, an experienced industrial organizational psychology practitioner serving clients across industries to address their strategic talent questions. Luke is a founding partner and director of research at EPIC, Educator Perceptions and Insights Center. Luke and his partner have been doing some remarkable work around teacher retention using a simple but powerful teacher survey tool. Hello, Luke. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Frederick. How are you? I'm great. And so glad to have you here. We always like to start with celebration. So what are you celebrating today? Oh, today my allergies aren't as bad as they were yesterday uh, here in Kansas. Um, Got the kids to school in one piece. So that's a small victory. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I just recorded a a podcast on my daily email messages at messages that I send out. And that was, I think yesterday's message was you got to celebrate the small wins sometimes. For sure. So is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing the work that you do? Yeah. So thinking broadly, my background's in organizational psychology, which is somewhat of an obscure field. And then specific to what I assume we're going to be spending most of the time discussing today, the educational research is somewhat of a unique story, but it started, I was asked to come into a local school district uh, that was experiencing some tension in the community. And they were interested in getting 
a more data-driven perspective around the teacher experience and as well as the uh, parent experience in their community. And as a pro bono, just uh, supporting the community, I, I helped build a survey tool, facilitated some focus group sessions presented, presented at their school board meeting. Um, really interesting stuff. I learned a lot just from that one project around education and some of the challenges that uh, the field is facing. And through that, a colleague, Dr. Brett Church, uh, he's a professor at Emporia State, reached out, and he had a similar passion around tackling this issue of teacher engagement and retention. And he has great foundational knowledge and education. As a professor, he worked in school districts, public education. I was bringing to the table more of that uh, psychological analytics background. And so together we formed um, this Kansas Teacher and Retention Initiative and really digging into um, a standardized research process to explore the teacher experience across the state. And so that was um, the impetus of me getting into this work and why I'm sitting here talking with you here today. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to have you here because the teacher retention is, of course, a huge issue. And well, let's dig into some of the findings. So can you share maybe three specific findings that you that have big implications for how assistant principals and other school leaders are doing their work? Yeah, and thinking about that, we we have at times it almost felt overwhelming the amount of data. And that's been my goal in doing this work. We delivered insights at the state level, kind of broadly, here are findings. I I jokingly say with but mean it when I'm when I'm presenting results uh, to our partners in Topeka and otherwise. When you're looking at data at that macro level, state level, it applies to everyone and no one. Mm. And so we really pushed for delivering insights at the district level. And then to your question, what's meaningful to the different leaders within a district: principal, superintendent, assistant principal. Um, and even in preparation for today's call, I know with the focus on the assistant principal. Um, I have a little background understanding the role. My brother-in-law uh, was an assistant principal for a long time. Um, I talked with my colleague, Dr. Brett Church, and kind of looking at our data. And, and a few of our findings did bubble up as maybe being specifically relevant for that assistant principal role. Um, so, but, but a couple findings. We had questions across the teacher experience and broke those out by more transactional. So thinking about their satisfaction with compensation, uh, their benefits, number of leave days, et cetera, and then what I call more transformational. So more sustainable changes as it relates to relationships with others, uh, the leadership provided by the principal, assistant principal, uh, superintendent, et cetera. But the assistant principal and, and looking at some research and thinking about it, there are a couple factors that were reoccurring themes in our, in our reporting and insights that were what I call low-hanging fruit, the satisfaction was somewhat low, but in our model was very predictive statistically to teacher retention, to teacher engagement. Um, Long-winded intro, but, but these factors were one of which is dealing with challenging student behavior and discipline. And hearing the assistant principal uh, spends a lot of their time handling that and overseeing those challenges when they occur. 
providing that discipline as needed. And I think it's a very kind of tactical insight for assistant principals to think that that not only dealing with that challenge supports the student, but it's supporting the teacher that's educating these students to minimize reoccurring instances of that. Because when student behavior is poor in the classroom, that can impact the teacher in a negative way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably doesn't come as a surprise to people, but mm -hmm. it's interesting because I was doing a workshop the other day with 70 intern two teachers at Western Carolina University. And so we were, we were talking about discipline. And one of the things I think that came out is there's, it's really hard to prepare new teachers how to deal with, especially safety type discipline, more explosive things. But I think one of the things that assistant principals can do is to actually be more proactive. And, and, and so it's not just a matter of after the fact, am I supporting the teacher? But especially with our early career teachers, being really proactive in having those discussions. And if I know as an assistant principal that, Luke, you've got, you've got a student who is under a lot of stress and really struggling, has experienced trauma. If I know you've got that student or a couple of them, right, I can be more proactive in talking to you about, hey, here are the things to watch for. Here are the warning signs. Here's how you can react to this kid, right? So that if you do need to, A, you may be less likely to call me in, but if you do need to call me in, I know we already have talked about this kid. So there's already a little bit more comfort level that you have some background. And so when we, when I handle this, right, there's that better letter level of understanding just to begin with. Yeah, definitely. And but thinking about tangible solutions that assistant principals and others can take and run with. Yeah. And so you said that first one is dealing with that challenging behavior. What, what are another one or two? So another one that, um, bubbled up to the surface is the quality of professional development for the teachers. Once again, it was a, it was a lower satisfaction, not as great of an experience for teachers broadly. Um, what was interesting about that one too, the, the availability of professional development was fine, decent satisfaction, but really, and we learned in the workshops too, it's more about prescriptive feedback on the quality of the professional development they're receiving. And talking to Dr. Church and others um, around what that looks like in a school, what resources are available. Are we adapting the professional development opportunities to the needs of the individual teachers, to the needs of, of the district itself? Are we adapting as needed or is it a one-size-fits-all program? And so, and just thinking about the assistant principal, how they can help um, understand what those needs are and then provide guidance and recommendations for improving the quality of that professional development. Yeah. And so listeners hear me talk a lot about the flywheel, which is this idea that we, we provide professional development and then we follow up that professional development with targeted observations. And that helps gives us data on how successful implementation is of that, whatever we were doing the PD on. And then we sit down and work with teachers looking at that implementation data to see what our next steps are. So that professional development really shouldn't be a singular event and it shouldn't be one size fits all. It should be, it should 
serve teachers or groups of teachers in in areas where they specifically need that support. And uh, so I, I think that's, I, I love that finding. And it's interesting, availability is okay. They have the time, they think they have the time that they want for that PD. And that tells us, like, we don't have to create resources. We just have to do a better job focusing what we have on serving the individual needs of teachers. Mm -hmm. And that's that's one of the findings we've been talking to uh, the state leaders who've been partners in this research and um, up in Topeka around current state. What does that look like? Who's leading that? Who's learning more about the effectiveness? I know when I work with organizations and I build a curriculum or do a needs analysis around training, deliver training or partner with someone in delivering the training. We always want to follow up to see if we're moving the needle on what we're training to. Right. So just kind of checks and balances to always be measuring that quality. If it's not measured, it probably isn't improved uh, or focused on. Yeah. I, I think I'd go so far to say if we're doing professional development and we don't, we don't follow it up by looking at implementation and then we offer no further support, then we're really wasting our time. Like, I mean, why did, why did we even do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I hate to say it. it's, it's almost a tendency that we all have as humans kind of checking the box and then yeah. moving forward. Everyone's so busy, especially in education assistant principals. I'm sure their to-do list is, is really long, um, but being intentional. And that was, that was part of the, uh, focus of our research and a differentiator when you look at other research that has been done around this. It's a lot of information. The teacher experience itself is broad, but what can we help prioritize? How can we adapt to the needs of individual districts um, and use that to make it feel less overwhelming? Yeah, yeah. So was there a third one that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, this is probably no surprise uh, to you or the listeners. Um, one that bubbled up to the top is around access to resources mm -hmm. and instructional materials. And so um, that could be the technology that's being used. Um, it could be a little more nebulous around the uh, emotional support that they're provided. And that's that's been a nuance in our data too. The data collection was still um, during the prime of the pandemic <laughs> and the socio-emotional needs of students and teachers um, came up a lot and what that looks like. And at least my understanding, you can speak to this, kind of giving teachers resources, tools, instructional materials uh, is critical. And the assistant principal seems to play a role in that similar to the needs analysis and, and development, kind of knowing um, which teachers need what to be successful in their role. And I think that's, I appreciate that finding. And I think it's important for us all to remember just because we're through the worst of this pandemic, that doesn't mean the trauma is all gone. Right? Mm -hmm. So many of us lost people during that time or experienced all of the other stressors that went through that. And just because we, we seem to be in the new normal, doesn't mean that trauma is gone. Um, and especially when we look at the trauma levels for our kids, that all impacts teachers as well. 
So I, I think that's really critical. And it's funny because one of the things that I try to advocate with assistant principals is that you don't need to have the answers. If you ask the questions and you're present, that's huge. Mental health. When we talk about supporting people's emotional needs, when, when we're fully present and when we ask questions because we care about how they're doing professionally and personally, and we just listen, we don't have to do a lot more than that. Just that amount shows that there's connection and that there's value. And then also opens the door when people need more to come and ask us for the things that they specifically need. So I'm not having to guess at what I need to do for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. and something I've conveyed to uh, different school leaders and also the organizations I work with, even just going through the survey process to collect the perspective and voice of your teachers or employees can move the needle on engagement. Mm. You know, being, being heard is important. And yeah. it's part of generally when you think about this construct of engagement, that's at the core of our research. I think at this point, everyone's kind of heard around what that is. Am I being heard? Um, am I being developed? Um, do I have a best friend at work? That kind of thing. When you think about engagement, it's predictive of retention, which we're talking about today. It's also predictive of student success in the classroom. And if I were to summarize reoccurring themes that we saw in this educational research that I see working with the organizations. Uh, autonomy is critical. A certain level of independence um, can help engage and empower your teachers, employees. Uh, this concept of mastery. So the teachers, and that aligns with the professional development piece too, where they are, they have a skill set and every day they're they're being challenged at the right level. Um, and, you know, as a psychologist working with organizations doing this work, it's always thinking about and when I'm coaching individuals, I always like to ask um, in a roundabout way, kind of moments where they were in this state of flow or when they were very engaged, what was your best day at work? And thinking, empowering them to think about how they could have more good days. <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. sense. And yeah, so absolutely. that's that mastery piece. And then kind of the, to round it out, that last um, important factor cluster of uh, the teacher experience or employee experience is purpose. Um, another kind of human inclination. We want to be doing something that feels important. And we want to feel that what we're doing is aligned to something bigger than ourselves. And kind of segueing into the connection with the assistant principal. I think the assistant principal, and correct me if I'm wrong again, but uh, at times they're almost the messenger of that purpose too. And connecting the teacher to that broader meaning and purpose, um, which like I said, overall, it's just, if you were to focus on those three things alone, uh, you would see you know, an uplift and engagement and success and performance. I think this is so powerful. I'm kind of pausing here to process all this and in here, listeners, like think about this three ways to really support your teachers to increase, increase retention, but also increase student engagement and student performance. 
right? And and we always emphasize sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be, right? Because if we have if teachers are able to choose the things that are important to them where they want to get better, what did we just do? We created autonomy. And we let them choose something where they are working on mastery and they're growing and they've probably identified something that is going to help them do better at reaching kids and having an impact with kids and boom, there's your purpose. So uh, listeners may get tired of me pounding on, on professional <laughs> development, but it professional development done right and supported right by assistant principals, instructional coaches and principals so, so powerful. And it really can flip things if we flip the way we look at it. Definitely. So I know you've been doing this work. And one of the things that really excited me when we talked was not only are you gathering all of this data and, and your, your point that the metadata applies to everyone and no one, and that that's just blown me away. And I've, I've, kept a hold of that. So let's talk about how you're able to pull the data from a specific district and then provide that data that's relevant for them. And then what kinds of follow-up have you helped them with? And then what are you seeing districts do when they really take this data and do something well with it? Um, as I mean, it, it has been interesting. And I would say there, there was some skepticism too that we would see differences across districts where we have the state data and they're like, oh, we can take the state data and run and make interventions, build and use this data to inform our strategic plan at the district level. But once they saw their individual district data, it was like a light bulb went off and they were seeing kind of these unique contextual factors that were occurring in their district that weren't occurring in the district 10 miles down the road. Um, and what was interesting with this too, we offered uh, benchmarking. So a superintendent or the leaders in that district could select up to seven um, districts that they would wanna compare their data to. And we would aggregate it because we didn't want like this one-to-one -one comparison thing going on. Um, so they would get their report, their data compared to the state, compared to this custom benchmark. Um, we would do the analysis I briefly spoke to where it's not just descriptive, you know, mean score on one to five. We run this regression model to see what's statistically predictive of the outcomes we're looking for. And that comes down, you know, 37 different aspects of the teacher experience to four or five and low hanging fruit. Now, we really just prime them on the report, how to interpret um, and then think about setting a goal, like what's a goal statement look like based on quality of professional development? We're seeing that in your report as a uh, area to focus on. How can we take that broad finding to more tactical solutions? And I always like to end with, you know, what can you do tomorrow to make a change around this, to get started? I mean, I can speak to one district that really took this and ran with it. They, they did have that quality of professional development days as a finding. So predictive of retention, engagement, uh, lower satisfaction. And they um, invested into bringing an a instructional coach for each building with a certain cadence. Maybe it was quarterly uh, to meet with the teachers and talk about this um, and even learn more about their needs 
mm-hmm. as a teacher in their district. <laughs> and that one required an investment, obviously. Uh, yeah. And we had some more tangible findings too, like availability for, you know, daycare, housing. You know, we did have a finding where teachers that live outside of the district they teach in are more likely to leave. Mm. And then when you dig deeper, you end up finding for certain communities, there's not ha- affordable housing available. So little things like that. So this district, once again, outreach uh, community. Um, another kind of more tactical one that they are addressing, uh, they had uh, poor satisfaction around the ability to secure a substitute. And we, we saw this a lot in districts. And so they, they end up finding a partner that specializes in managing that process and even uh, investing. I know some districts increase their pay for substitutes a little bit just to decrease that burden that was falling on the teachers and just being stretched was an example. And then amount of plan time was one that showed up for them in their district where the teachers conveying that they would really like more plan time and how it seemed to relate to retention engagement. And so they, this one was a low hanging fruit, but they just looked at how they could carve that into schedules and be, you know, intentional about providing that instead of just like here and there, um, just recognizing the importance of that. Yeah. And it sounds like it's not, let's double the amount of time that teachers have to plan, but finding small ways to increase that planning time. And I I think it doesn't even have to be every week, right? Maybe we've got some kind of a schedule where we've got an assembly going, well, maybe we can bring some people in to monitor that assembly so our teachers can actually do work. So it's a small things like that, that again, go back to, we're listening to you, we acknowledge that. And then the other thing that I hear from teachers a lot is how much of their planning time is actually taken up doing other stuff. So if you want more planning time for teachers, one big thing is to protect the time that they already have in the schedule. Yeah, and last one with this district, because we talked about it before, which I found really interesting in the data they were seeing, um, this emotional health being a concern for their teachers. And so they did some research partnering with, um, you know, their district administrative staff uh, around programs and incentives and looking at their employee assistance program. And they were able to get mental health therapists into the school as needed to work with teachers for working with teachers yeah to meet with teachers and talk um, as needed and something that that they hadn't looked into before yeah and just from here from then all of these individually and then in aggregate is just making significant changes and improving that experience for their teachers well those are some great examples thank you um, we had wanted to to talk about what APs can specifically do. And I, I think we've already identified some things, which is really how you engage in that professional development process and looking for ways to give teachers more autonomy and and helping aid that mastery by following up on that professional development. I think also using language, really monitoring your language when you're talking about student achievement, because we 
we can get really focused on on the measure and test scores are a measure but they're not the outcome and when we talk about test scores and we talk about the measure we send a subtle mud message that that actually is the outcome we're shooting for and it's not so i think one thing we can do for that that keeping that purpose driven is really talk about kids and what the what the what achievement means for kids right and for the opportunities you have if you're reading at grade level at grade four you have different opportunities than if you're reading at a second grade level at grade four right and that's that's why that's so important um so making sure that we stay focused on on the purpose not on the outcome measure is there anything else that you can say it would be quick win that an assistant principal can go out and do tomorrow that is going to positively impact student engagement. Yeah, and maybe this would be, it is applicable to, to all educational leaders, um, but assistant principals too. And something we heard from the workshop around just, and specifically we had, uh, had multiple like principals and some teachers come up and say, it's great to see your data. I love seeing the importance of these more transformational factors, the relationships, spending time asking how you're doing, how your kids are doing, more of that emotional piece, building connections. Yes, the what we talked about, the kind of resources and the more tactical support is needed, but that building relationships with your teachers and others um, can make a huge difference as it relates to the teacher engagement as well as the student success no surprise there yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i i love the way we're bringing this together and i thank you so much for bringing up that relationships piece because i know pers on a personal level i'm guilty of chasing shiny objects and and i think on organizational levels we're guilty of chasing chasing shiny objects and and so we've we've talked about professional development. We talked about supporting teachers with challenging student behavior. Like those things are, are all important. But if we can only do one thing, like get to know that teacher, know their struggles and their successes professionally, know their struggles and their successes personally, build that relationship. Like we overthink it. We try to do all of these other things. But let's start really with that foundation of building those relationships with people. Ah, I love it. Thank you, Luke. As we close this out, we just um, maybe tell people how they can get in touch with you. If they're uh, your availability for doing this kind of work, for bringing this kind of work at the state level, but also at school district level, what's kind of the process look like if somebody that's listening wants to engage in this with you? Yeah, we do have, Dr. Church and I have a website, uh, the Educational Perceptions and Insight Center, and where you can get some more information. Um, we're pretty adaptive. We're a small and nimble team when it comes to doing this work. The foundational piece, obviously, is our survey and collecting data as a, as a starting point, uh, understanding the teacher experience within an individual district. The pricing mechanism is... Um, varies based on if we're working at the state level, kind of how we scope it that way versus individual districts. But uh, high level, we um, price by number of teachers that will be taking the survey. So it's like a $1 per teacher. 
is the starting point there. But once we start getting into other districts, um, we break it out. We have different levels of analysis too. Uh, we have um, a classified staff survey that mirrors our teacher engagement survey, but obviously the context is different. All of that though bundles into one seamless report. So you can look at themes, trends, once again, focused around kind of retention factors, focused around engagement factors. And there's a basic, the basic investment of the survey. And then there are other supports that districts can choose to add on in working with you, or if they have other sources for that, they can do that too. So it sounds like it's really flexible. Exactly. Yeah, and, I mentioned the strategic planning, kind of using the data to help inform. Uh, we have a strategic planning process. Uh, we have these workshops, which are great, uh, that we've structured. Um, with that, we do recommend that cross-pollinization of people across different areas, because I think that's part of the value, just learning from colleagues in different parts of the state and different roles. Um, yeah. But yeah, those workshops are a great tool. Well. And And I'll say, too, one thing that we had talked about was... It's a nine-minute survey, and you guys had over 50% response rate statewide in Kansas. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so administrators, school leaders listening, over 50% response rate on a survey like that is incredible. And what that tells you is that teachers want to be heard. Teachers want to share that information. So, But you think about a dollar a teacher to get this kind of information and then whatever you do with it from there. But just to have that, I don't know, sounds like an incredible um, opportunity to me and especially rural districts, very affordable because it's based on, on teacher, teacher numbers. So, wow, Luke, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I think this is a really valuable data that you're doing, valuable research, and I love how districts can have access to this and then make it really applicable to the work that they're doing. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, okay. I always end with two, two questions. So you can't escape yet. So first, okay. what part of your own leadership are you trying to get better at? Oh, that is a good question. And I better have a good answer considering I uh, do coaching for a living. Well, one thing I'm always working on um, is context. As I shared at the beginning, I can find myself getting wrapped into the data and it might seem obvious to me or here it is, there's the value, but taking it, learning from others to support ways of using the data in a meaningful way, whether it's in this teacher retention work or if I'm working in a um, energy industry, you know, making it tangible, not assuming understanding in others. Yeah. And if listeners take away just one thing today, what do you want them to walk away with? Just that the voice of your teacher is critical. And um, as I mentioned, just by using a tool like a survey or having conversation, you can see meaningful change and engagement and retention that seems very daunting right now for a lot of a lot of areas but and when everyone's everyone's very busy but investing in that time and energy to get their voice to elevate their voice um, you can lead to great things 
Awesome. Awesome, Luke. And, and one more time, the website is? It's just epic.edu. Epic.edu. And we'll include links to to this and and for people to reach out to you, we'll include that in the show notes. But epic, okay, great. Epic.edu. Yeah, because I might be might be off there, but yeah, that's <laughs> roughly what it is. <laughs> All right, Luke, this has been great. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate what you're doing in the educational research and just how applicable it is to people in the field. Thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. When we began the show, I noted that the first goal of my 10 actions guide was to build relationships. Not surprisingly, when asked what the one thing people had to take away from today's podcast was, Luke talked about relationships and it just makes sense. Everything begins with relationships. How do we know which kids a teacher is struggling with before there's a blow up? How do we know what specific skill a teacher wants to get better at? How do we know if they feel they're fulfilling their purpose? We learn all those things in the context of a relationship and let's make it even simpler. You don't need to have the answers. You just need to be present and ask the right questions. Questions like, how are you? No, really, how are you? What's going well? What has surprised you? Is there anything you or we can be doing differently? It's hard work, but it's good work and it isn't rocket science. So I wonder, can you find that extra time in the day? Can you shift your perspectives to invest more in building those relationships with your teachers? Really? Not because it will help teacher retention, it will, but because that's what being human is about, relationships, and ultimately great leaders nurture great relationships. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.